May my hands be holy when I kneel in prayer. May my life be holy when I praise. Help me, Lord, respect the role you've given me. May I serve with honor all my days. May I serve with honor in the role you've given me. And may I never go beyond my place as I serve my Savior and give you praise. Help me follow the truth and I'll be saved. May my hands be holy when I kneel in prayer. May my life be holy when I praise. Help me, Lord, respect the role you've given me. May I serve with honor all my days. Today we come to one of these balanced beliefs that we're looking at, and one that is probably quite familiar to you, but it's also one that we need to be very careful with as well. I guess really each one of these beliefs, it is important that we balance them out. But this belief that we're going to be looking at today is, it comes from a phrase that Jesus uses, where he talks about the disciples as being in the world, but not of the world. And I know that that sort of seems like we're really picking out these small words and kind of making a big deal about them whenever literally we're talking about the difference between the word in, just I-N, two letters, and the word of, just two letters again. So the fact that we've got those those two different words and we're, we're making this big distinction between the two, I think that it can be easily misunderstood. And I think that it has been mis, uh, misunderstood by many Christians. We need to understand whenever we look at this balanced belief that we are going to have to learn something about God and his holiness, but also about the holiness that is found in Jesus Christ and the holiness that he extends to us and that he wants us to display in our lives. So we are in the world. Yes, that is true. But we are not of the world. And I hope that whenever we look at the words of Jesus, we can learn more and more uh, about this topic here and about the God that we serve and about Jesus that we follow. Now, we're actually going to be in John chapter 17 because that's where Jesus uses these phrases. And John chapter 17 is toward the end of, of John's gospel, and Jesus is about to be betrayed. In fact, the next chapter, he's going to be arrested. But just before he is arrested, he prays this prayer. And that's what the, the whole thing is that we're going to be looking at. And I will tell you, we're going to be going pretty fast through uh, the first half of it. And then we've got a, a pretty large section at the end that we're going to go through pretty fast. But we're going to slow down in the middle because that's where we start to really get to the heart of this lesson. Uh, for, for us to learn. But all of it comes in the context of a prayer of Jesus. John chapter 17 verses 1 through 5. All of these talk about the glory of God and then it transitions into the glory of Jesus Christ. So John chapter 17. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Here, Jesus is talking about this glory that he once had, but this glory that the Heavenly Father still has, has always had. 
And Jesus has this prayer. And within this prayer, just a little bit of, uh, of a sidetrack, but I think it is still kind of related to this quite a bit. He defines what eternal life is. You know, I find that, that so many people, they can't wait to, to start their eternal life. You know, they, they can't wait till after this life is over with so they can start their eternal life. But so oftentimes the way John writes about this eternal life is that we have started this life already. Whenever you become a follower of Christ, you've already started your walk with him. You've already started this eternal life. And this definition that we get here of eternal life is in verse three. Now, this is eternal life. What is it? What, what's eternal life? That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So what does it mean to have eternal life? To know God and to know Jesus Christ. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Pretty simple to understand. But actually knowing them, it's this relationship that we have to have with both our Heavenly Father, but then also our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They both have glory. They both have holiness about them. And that's where we're going to get into about the whole in the world, but not of the world. But let's keep reading. Verses 6 through 12 now. Still, Jesus is praying. I have revealed you to this, to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect me by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. And let's pause there once again in this prayer of Jesus. But he's, he's talking about his disciples, these disciples who truly are listening to God. They are experiencing this eternal life. They know God the Father, a one true God. And they know Jesus Christ, his son, that, they, uh, that has been sent by the Father into the world. They know these things. They believe these things. They live these things. Now, so far, just yet, we, we haven't really got into the disciples that, that are going to, to come into the future. Uh, that is going to happen later on in this chapter. So it does actually include us in the future. But for right now, these disciples that Jesus is actually talking about are not all the disciples, but rather the disciples uh, that were alive during the days of Jesus and those who were who were right there in the midst of Jesus and who, who were actually following him. And Jesus tells us some things uh, about them there. But he also speaks about the fact that he's going to be leaving. And that's where we're starting to get into this language about leaving this world. But the disciples are still going to be in the world. You know, Jesus, yeah, he was taken out of the world. You know, he came into the world and he was taken out of the world, but his disciples remained in the world. Now we're going to focus in on the main part of this lesson, verses 13 through 19. And in this, we're going to see these phrases, how we are called to be in the world, but not of the world. Verses 13 through 19. Once again, reminding you, this is Jesus's prayer. 
I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Now this passage comes to what we're looking at. That Jesus uses this phrase that we as disciples of Christ are in the world, but we are called to not be of the world. Now, there's a few points that I want us to, to kind of notice as to how Jesus um, prepares us for this and how he helps us uh, throughout this. But before I get there, uh, I want us to understand this phrase about being in the world, not of the world. And, and I want to do it because uh, through, through an image that I was just reading this book this past week, uh, it was by N.T. Wright, um, a man by the name of N.T. Wright. And uh, I believe it was in the, the book of uh, Surprised uh, by Hope. And uh, in that passage, um, I'm sorry, in that book that he was reading, he was talking about a different passage of scripture. But I think that it applies. And I want to kind of share with you sort of a paraphrase of the example that he used in that book. And he was specifically talking about our bodies and um, kind of our, uh, our physical bodies and our spiritual bodies and, and kind of what we're, what we're going to, uh, to receive in the future. But by that, he used the example of a, of a boat. With that example of a boat, he said, it's one type of question whenever you ask if a boat is metal or wood. You know, we're asking about what's it made out of. But if you ask the question, is that a steamboat or a sailboat? It seems like it's the same type of question, doesn't it? I mean, if you, if you say that you have um, a metal boat, a wood boat, a steamboat, a sailboat, I mean, we're using just, you know, one word in front of boat, so you think you're talking about the same thing, but you're not. Now, on the one hand, you're talking about what is the, the physical makeup of the boat? Well, if that's what you're asking about us as disciples, uh, yes, of course, physically speaking, you know, we, we are made of flesh. Okay, We're human beings. No question all about that. But there's another way of looking at that, uh, that idea about what powers a boat, because that's what you start to look at whenever you say, is this, is this a steamboat? Or is it a sailboat? Now you're asking, what moves that boat? What gives it the power? And his connection there was in the sense of we as Christians are supposed to be moved by the Spirit. That's supposed to be what, what animates us. Uh, that was his point. But I think it really applies right here as well. Because we are in the world. Yeah, of course, we are in the world. We are human beings. And we're not going to be able to, to really get outside of that because that's just how we've been created. But we're not called to be of the world. And by that, what we see is we are motivated. We are animated by God. We are, are called to act the way that God would have us to act. That sometimes is very different than how we might, fleshly speaking at least, want to act. The ways of God are sometimes very different than the ways of us as human beings. And this passage, when we think about how we are both in the world, but we're not of the world, that's what we're looking at here. What motivates us to do the things that we do? 
We're in the world, of course we are, okay? And we're, we're called to live out the lives, however long it might be, or however short it might be, we're called to live out the lives that we've been given here on this earth. But what motivates us? What drives us? Is it the word of God? So now let's, let's look back at this text, and I want us to notice a, a few things that I believe are, are very important. For starters, when we look at verse 15, we find out something that Jesus says right here. He says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So th this first thing we're going to see in this prayer of Jesus is that he talks about this protection. He talked about the need to be protected. He doesn't ask that we be taken out of the world. That's not Jesus's desire. In fact, we're going to see his desire is the opposite of that in a moment. But he does ask that we be protected. He was protecting his own disciples whenever he was alive, but now he's going to be leaving. So now he's asking the Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, he's saying, protect them. And of course, uh, that protection comes from evil and from that the evil one. But now we also see that it doesn't just end with a prayer, a request for protection. It goes on and we find out that, that Jesus was preparing his disciples. Verse 17, we read that he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus did not leave his disciples just without any hope. He left them before he left them, I should say. He prepared them. He prepared them for that time. He prepared them with the word of truth. We need to be people who are within the God's word all the time, that we read it, that we study it, that we, that we learn from it, and that we practice it. This is how we are prepared for this moment. We also find out in verse 18, what Jesus turns his attention to there is that there is a purpose in all of this. Not being, uh, you know, not of this world, there's a purpose behind it. We are still in the world though. And in verse 18, he says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We need to understand this phrase and what's being stated here in this balanced belief. Yes, we are in the world. We are not of this world. And because of that, we need to act differently than the way that the world acts. But we are in this world with a purpose. And that purpose is that the disciples are said to be sent out into the world. So whenever we look at this phrase that we are in the world, but not of the world, we need to make sure that we also include the fact that we have been sent out into the world. We need to be going out into the world. We need to be able to, to boldly stand by this, this gospel message and boldly proclaim this, this word of truth, this word that Jesus entrusted his disciples with, and that now we are the ones who are entrusted with. There was a purpose in all of this that Jesus had. And within this prayer, you might've noticed I kind of skipped around one verse right here, verse 16. He says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Let's learn from Jesus because we can learn a whole lot from the way that Jesus lived his life of what it meant that he was not of this world, but he was still in the world and he loved the world. In fact, he loved the world so much God loved the world so much that he sent his son, didn't he? That's also found in John's gospel. But there's so much to this story. And there's also even more about this being in the world, but also not of the world. The disciples were sent out into the world, verse 18. And we also find out in the remainder verses of this chapter, 
the, re- the remainder verses of this prayer, that the purpose of the disciples, it continues. Now we're going to see not just that Jesus is talking about the disciples during his day and those who were alive right there, but he's also talking about us. Yeah, did you know that you were actually talked about in the Bible? You sure are. You're talked about in these verses right here. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. Still, Jesus praying. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and they will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. And with that, Jesus ends his prayer. With that, we end this chapter. But with that, we also find out that this purpose that the disciples were left with carries over in today. These these disciples that Jesus is praying for, he said in verse 20 that my prayer is not for them alone, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you, and that's me, that's us. This purpose that the disciples were given It continues even until today. Let's make sure that we we listen about this purpose. Let's make sure that that we understand the need for this protection, the need for being prepared, and also the need for, for this purpose and to understand this purpose and to fulfill it. Let's make sure that we encourage one another with these words. And let's make sure that we keep these these balanced beliefs and understand what it means to be in the world but not of the world. We, we aren't called to look just like the world. We're called to be holy like our Heavenly Father. We're called to be holy like Jesus Christ. And there will be some differences between us. There should be some differences between us and those people of the world. But we have been sent out into the world to show them the way of Christ. Let's make sure that we show them with the way that we live our lives every single day. See you.